Are you tired of being knocked down by life's challenges? You might be feeling lost, afraid, unproductive, unsuccessful, and unhappy. There's no denying that the past two years have been very challenging for most people, from the global pandemic to the personal obstacles that people face. You might be asking, how can I get back after being knocked down by so many obstacles? Is there still hope? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Would you like to learn the skills and tools and strategies to help you cultivate resilience and release your brilliance so you can get through the crisis and beyond and thrive? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Happy and Healthy Mind. My name is Dr. Rosina, and over the last 20 years, I have been serving as medical doctor, specializing in psychiatry, a best-selling author, and a transformative speaker. I believe our mind is the software that runs the hardware of both brain and body. Therefore, I share practical tips for your mental fitness so you can live your best life without burnout and unnecessary suffering. Please consult your healthcare provider for any specific health advice. But if you find this content helpful, then join us in our mission of eradicating preventable sufferings and suicides by liking, subscribing, and sharing so more people can live their best life with health and happiness. And today we have two guests with us, Mary Fran Bontempo and Kristen Smedley, are resilient experts, TEDx speakers, best-selling authors, media hosts, co-founders of Brilliantly Resilient and Pretty Darn Funny. (laughs) 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 I am excited to uh, interview them today. But as a young mother, Kristen found herself raising two blind sons. Mary Fran navigated her son's crushing heroin addiction. With few resources, they were determined to survive and thrive. They found it brilliantly resilient to teach others to come through challenges. Brilliant, not broken, to reset with resilience, rise and reveal the brilliance within all of us. So let's learn from them. So thank you so much for both of you for joining us today. We're so excited to be here. Thank you so much. We already had a great time. So thank you for that. It was (laughs) Great way to start the afternoon. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. All right. So can you, I don't we go like, you know, one by one, if you guys tell us how did this topic become important in your life? So I kind of gave people a little introduction, but can you give a little bit more, paint a picture in our brain's eyes, how life was before you started applying some of the tools that you're going to teach us today? Well, one of the things that Kristen and I both have in common is very similar backgrounds in terms of being good girls We did all the right things. We followed all the rules. We did everything that we were supposed to do. And, you know, we thought that life was going to be good, which it was until it wasn't. And life has a way of hitting us with what we call sucker punches and train wrecks. No matter what you do, you just, you can't seem to get out of the way fast enough. So for me, I mean, I was, I was, I used to, I call myself Marsha Brady. I was Marsha Brady when I was growing up. I never did anything wrong. I was, that that Brady bunch. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That, that perfect little girl. I wanted to be Marsha Brady, but I, I, I was that kind of perfect kid. And when I grew up, you know, I, I raised my kids in the way that I thought 
was was a good way to raise them. I was the the youth minister at our church. I sang at church. I um, was a substitute teacher at my children's school. I mean, I was a very active parent. And then my son, we, when he was around a teenager, he just started acting out. And I had no frame of reference on that. So I really didn't know what was kind of normal teenage behavior and what wasn't. But it became clear over time that he had uh, problems. But I was not prepared for what the problem really was. So the short version is on 2010, on Mother's Day of 2010, we were at my mom's house and I left the room and I heard a commotion from the room that I was had just left. I went back in and my son was shaking uncontrollably on the couch. So we called the paramedics right away and they kept asking him, what did you take? What did you take? And I, I kept thinking, he's having a seizure, get him to the hospital. But it turns out that he did take a pain medication that he had stolen from his grandmother because he could not get heroin that day. And when we got to the hospital, the doctor told us that he was an addict, but also if they could not reverse the effects of that medication, he would need a liver transplant if he lived. Mm -hmm. So that was Mother's Day of 2010. And as you can imagine, not that it was the beginning of our journey into into hell, but it was it was so much more exacerbated because you know you have denial and distraction as your friends when you don't want to face something. Well, we couldn't not face it anymore. So it became years of struggle with addiction that um, it, it was very challenging. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And Kristen has a similar story of living the right way and then. Yeah. Let's hear Kristen, your story. What was happening? Yeah, so you know, like Mary Fran said, um, I don't know if I was as Marsha Brady as Mary <laughs> Fran, but I was. Um, I, I'd be interested. I wish we had all of your listeners in front of us so I could do a show of hands of how many planners are out there. I mean, I am like, look, it's the beginning of the year. I got my new, I got my new calendar, my new planner, my goal setter, right? Like that is my fuel to to set goals and even more so, and there's probably a lot of you out there listening, hands up if you are loving being an achiever. You know, I love to achieve the goals that I set and that's how I was wired. Um, and that's how I had a ton of success in my life. And I was very much the, the kid and, and the young woman that set goals, worked hard, achieved them. So, so by the year 2000, if I could take y'all back to the year 2000 and Y2K, when everyone was wondering if we were still going to be here, heaven forbid, all the computers were supposed to blow. I was getting ready to embark on my final huge dream of my life. You know, I, at that point I had, I had done the, the school, gotten the, the degree, the job, married the guy, built the house. Right. And when it came to Y2K, my, my, dream of becoming a mom was about to happen. And, and I'm sure that a lot of listeners out there are, are like me, that if you carried a, a baby for nine months, you know, we start out, right? Like in the beginning, you find out you're pregnant and you're like, I just want a healthy baby. And then if you're like me, as your belly's growing, it's like, oh, and maybe they'll play baseball. And then by like month eight, you're like, maybe they'll be the pitcher for the Phillies, right? Like you're envisioning <laughs> these massive goals. And then my firstborn son was born, Michael. And, and I literally, like, I looked at my life, you know, we were talking about gratitude before we even came on the show. 
And I was the most grateful person on the planet. I had everything I had ever planned for. And then at about four months old, a doctor said to me, your son is blind. And in that instant, every one of my hopes and dreams for him were gone. I mean, you know, you hear blind, there's graduation from high school goes dark, playing sports eliminated, right? My dreams of summa cum laude, his wedding, all of that were gone. And, um, and I'm, I'm sure that as people are hearing that, when I say blind, you know, the, I think that blindness, the study was recently done, that blindness is the second most feared thing that can happen to a person when they surveyed the world. And I was definitely in that pit. And when I heard that, I mean, you know, I, I always say that I memorized, I memorized what to expect when you're expecting that book that all of the the moms the, the about to be moms were carrying around and nowhere in there did it say what to expect when all of your hopes and dreams are gone by something like blindness um, and i crashed to the floor and i'm not proud of it but it, it would it would take me about three and a half years to get my head around that and make some steps forward and it was only because i was pregnant again and my second son was diagnosed as blind also. Um, I would go on to have a sighted daughter. And uh, I got to tell you this too, you know how they say that, and all of you that have, have had young babies in your arms will attest to this. They always say that, oh, you know, their vision isn't quite developed yet. And that was me, you know, like in the first couple of weeks, it's like, oh, maybe they're not seeing yet. Oh, and then I had a sighted child. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like to have somebody, because you know what? Carissa wasn't even a couple of days old and knew that my face was the face of her mom and my boys never, they've never seen my face. It's completely different. I, I had to spend several years reevaluating what a mom really is and what being your child's hero and then reverse into being their guide. It was, it was a challenging couple of years, I'm not going to lie. It's absolute tremendous joy now all these years later but uh it was it was definitely as mary fran and i say a sucker punch to my heart and all of my dreams you know i can't imagine going through the the, the phases that you guys are describing but i can i can try to understand it must be very very hard and so how did you come out of it and and before we even go into the the tips for our audience Tell me, now that you are out of it, how's life different compared to that immediate phase of, you know, for, like you said, that you almost were uh, down in the dumps? Well, I think that, first of all, I think for both of us, life is joyful now. Mm -hmm. One of the, I hate to say, we don't say blessings. We never say sucker punches and train wrecks are blessings because they are awful. They are terrible. We wouldn't wish them on anyone. But one of the things about them is that they take away so much about who you thought you were, where you thought you were going, how well you thought you did up to that point, that they give you a real opportunity to evaluate and figure out what's important to you. And I think that was one of the things that both of us were able to understand and grasp because we had you have really no other choice. At the beginning, you're just trying to keep the tip. Of, I can't even say your head above water, like the tip of your nose, just so you can breathe above water. 
But as time goes on and you realize how much you lost, and I think this is very, I think many of you are, you know, again, as Kristen said, hands up for anybody out there who experienced this in the last few years. We think we've lost so much. And then we recognize that maybe a lot of the things that we thought were so important really weren't and really aren't. So I think um, for me, certainly, it's allowed me to understand what's really important in my life and to allow those to be grateful, as we talked about, for those things and not worry so much about the things that come and go. Take them for what they are in the moment, but you know, recognize that as long as those really important things are still there, that's where you can find your joy every day. That's wonderful. That's so hopeful. Like, you know, your stories are so hopeful that, you know, when you are in that dark phase, you don't feel that you would ever come out of it, no. that it would ever get better. But hearing that, that despite these difficult circumstances, you can actually feel joy, that that is so inspiring. So, yeah, do you have any, through your journeys, what are some of the most helpful tools that have helped you guys that we can help our audience today? that people can well, take it right away. I'll tell you what, and this is going to sound, I want, I want people to really let this land. If, if I could see blindness, right, as my biggest gift to be the mom I was designed to be, then anyone, you can insert any challenge into what your journey is. And when I tell you, if you look at it differently. So for me, I thank God every day that my Michael at three and a half years old came bouncing into my bedroom one morning and said, mommy, isn't this the best day ever? Oh, and I said to him, I thought to myself, you have no idea what you're up against. And you, if you knew there would be no joy in your life. And I said to him, why is that? Why is it the best day ever? And he said, because I have everything I want. The sun is shining. I mean, it was all a typical rose colored three and a half year old's life that, my point is blindness wasn't bothering Michael. It was me that was in the way. It was how I saw blindness. So when I started seeing blindness for what it is, it is just a sensory gone, right? He was able to experience, and he still does. He experiences the world with, with his entire self. And that, that's not an exaggeration. So blindness gave me the opportunity to really look at what is a mom? What is a mom's role? It is not to dump all of my hopes and dreams on my three kids. It's to get them what they need and follow their lead is what I always say. I mean, I, I've been their guide for Michael's 22 now. He's going to graduate. <laughs> He's going to graduate summa cum laude from Penn State University. And, and Mitchell's right behind him in college. Wow. They have accomplished more than anyone ever thought possible. And I can tell you with 100% certainty, and I want the parents out there to really think about this. They were not growing up under the weight of my dreams for them. And I know we do it in full love for our kids. We want the best for them. We want them to go higher than we did, but they cannot soar with a backpack filled with our expectations and dreams. They have to have their own and it's hard to step aside. And I will say, you know, I look at it as blindness just pushed all that out of the way for me and I didn't have that barrier anymore. But had I never changed my perception of the challenge in front of us, 
um, I, I, we would be in the horrific statistics of the blind community right now. So perception is a big thing in how you're looking at your challenge. Yeah, that's that's actually one of the three pieces. When we talk about being brilliantly resilient, the first piece of it is this reset piece that we talk about, and it's resetting with resilience. And Kristen talks about perception. That's one of the pillars of that. And, and the thing that I was talking about with your value system, where you get to really figure out that first piece of what is your value system? What are those things that you cannot compromise on? That becomes your foundation. And you can let the other things go to the, go to the background. And then the other piece that we, so it's values, it's perception. And the other piece that we tell people to focus on, and this is huge, it's control the controllables. Because so much is out of your control. And if it is, you have to understand that there come, that's the time when you either have to find an expert, put up your hand, build your tribe, or you just let it go and see how it unknots itself and focus on controlling the controllables. What can you actually do to be effective in this moment? So I would say three pieces that your, your audience can take away right away is for the resetting with resilience, check your value system, check your perception and see what's actually in your control. Yeah, I use this concept of what is in your control versus what is not in your control. I draw a diagram for my patients. I would make a big circle and I'd say, all these things are in your circle of concern. You're concerned about it, it affects your life, but then there's only a smaller circle within it that is in your influence. That is something you can do or take steps for. And so mm -hmm. I call it, I can circle. That mm -hmm. is what you can do or the circle of power. And like you're saying, what is controllable is what is your circle of power because that's where your power lies. And especially when people focus on all the things that are not in their control, all their energy is sucked away and then there's no energy left to uh, focus on things that are in your control. And it is very hard when you are going through this phase, acute phase, to feel like if there's anything in your control. So when you guys were going through your phase, did you feel anything was in your control? <laughs> like if I would have said this to you at that time, you know, focus on what is in your control, you know, what would you have responded? I think both of us maybe came to the realization that what was in our control was nothing. And therefore we had to go out and find other people. The only thing that we could control was that we both had a skill set. This is where you kind of rely on your skill set. We both are teachers by education and we both realized we have no idea. So then we realized that we had to build a tribe. So that's when you kind of rely on your skill set and go, okay, well, if I don't know anything, I have to go outside of myself. And if the only thing that's in your control is putting up your hand and asking for help, that's what you do. Yeah. yeah. I, I often say that, although my kids completely disagree with this statement, I say that I'm a recovering control freak. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, are you really recovery? Step off that wagon. But I was very, and I think because of my, the way that I was brought up and just the way that my mind goes, I mean, I took control of my life, right? They say, take responsibility for your life. And it's hard. It's hard for those of us, you know, and I, I know that a lot of your listeners are high achieving people. 
that it is very hard to say that there is something out of my control, which is almost, you know, one of those blessings of blindness that it was so out of my control that I had to surrender to that. And then, you know, a, a good friend of ours, it was a, one of our most popular guests, Dr. Lee Warren, um, he says, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And until you're going to realize what is in your control and not, and only take responsibility for what's in your control, it's just not going to get any better. And I will say also along this journey of 22 years of raising blind children from that moment of surrender of what was in my control, <laughs> somebody upstairs thinks that I, it's funny to keep giving me all these opportunities to practice what is in my control and not, but I, it is so much easier now for me when things come, I mean, I've been through a horrible divorce. We've, we've all been through the COVID stuff, you know, businesses shutting down all of that. It is so much easier. I can move on faster. I can take the step out of the pit so much faster now when I go, what is actually in my control? Because I don't have enough brain cells anymore to worry about the stuff that isn't. So let, there's the first step. Let's eliminate what I'm not responsible for. Let's, let's dump that off on somebody else. Right? It's and then so freeing. Steps. Yeah. It's so freeing to be able to go, you know what? That's not my problem. I can't fix it. And there's there is something about that, and and Dr. Zena, it does it does come back to what you said in terms of energy. That's when we get to harness that energy that we are not expending, spinning our wheels on stuff that we aren't going to be able to do anything about, and go, all right, what can I do something about? And I want to make this point too to your listeners. When I say you can do something about it, that doesn't mean you're going to solve it. That means that you're going to somehow influence it and it may take somebody else to solve it, which again goes back to that putting up your hand, but you can't delude yourself with the idea of I'm going to fix this whole thing. And even when you do take steps, Kristen and I are huge believers in this. You cannot be married to outcomes. Do not be married to an outcome that when you initiate an action step, you think you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen. And if it doesn't, you're just going to fall apart again, because really how many times do your plans work out? Like <laughs> never. So, you know, initiate an action step, but be prepared to evolve and be flexible with the situation. I'm also a recovering outcome obsessor. <laughs> I'm like, no, I want it to go this way. I set that goal. It's going to hit that. I will say, and Mary Fran said the word freeing. I'm telling you, maybe it's because I turned 50 recently, but now I'm like, I let go of the stuff I'm not in control of, the outcomes. I'm like, you know, the, the kids always say, oh, oh, you do you, boo. You do you, boo. That's <laughs> I'm like, that's on you, boo. <laughs> oh, if you're not going to make it through your freshman year of, of college because you didn't take the steps necessary, that's on you, boo. I did my job. <laughs> Much more freer. See how happy we are now. <laughs> Very happy. Yeah. Let go of control, people. Let go. Yeah. I just want to kind of share being a psychiatrist. I see people when they come in in that deep, dark phase. Mm. Right. And it is very hard when you are saying to them, just let go and just focus on what is in your control. Because there's one piece that has to happen before they reach that point of accepting. And that is validating their feelings mm -hmm. oh gosh yeah 
You have to sit with it and acknowledge it. Yeah. yeah. You have to acknowledge that it is a big, you know, loss or it's a big change. And it's like, you know, like you said that your dreams were shattered. And, and so most of the time people, people have this initial reaction in different ways. Some people cry and some people become angry <laughs> and some people like, you know, they want to just run away from all the things. And so what I would suggest uh, is that acknowledge that, that it is okay, that your, your inner core, your inner uh, system has had this big jolt and it is going to take some time to reset. And so say, it's okay that I feel this way. It is okay that I feel this way. And now, and then once you accept it and then it say, okay, and say, okay, but this is not comfortable. I would like to change it. Now, what can I do to change it? Then you start focusing on, all right, well, I can't, like in your situation, probably like, you know, you say, okay, I can't change the past. I can't change what has already happened, but um, I can help my kid to be the best within their circumstances, or I can be of support for them to come out of it. Or you were able to reach there once you were able to accept, validate, be kind to yourself. And some of sometimes those steps are missed and, and then people feel like, you know, uh, all these tips that I'm hearing is not going to help. These tips are going to help once you pass that validation stage. So there are different stages that different things work. So when the shock happens, allow yourself, validate. If you need to cry it out, cry it out. If you need to talk it out, talk it out. If you feel angry, don't destroy things around yourself, but find a constructive way of letting go of your anger whether you write it down or you throw the basketball hoops or you punch a, a punching bag, you can even punch a pillow. Just make sure that uh, you don't, like I had a patient who one time she was for, for working on that and she put the pillow and she was punching the pillow and the pillow fell down and then she punched the ball and broke her knuckles. Oh, <laughs> so, was behind the pillow first to make sure that it's a good enough pillow. Actually, so I mean, if you're punching the pillow, make sure that you hold the pillow properly when you're punching. You know, this is such an important piece that I'm so glad that you're highlighting because this is a piece that, and, and I never want to skip over this in this brilliantly resilient process because for me, it was the hard, one of the hardest things for me in the reset because I kept saying, and this is what I learned so much from Mary Fran and doing this work together now. You know, Mary Fran always says, you you don't want to live there. You can visit. You can sit and cry. You can visit that. Just don't unpack your bags. So for me, being a perfectionist, I was like, why am I back here again? I, I You know, something didn't go right. Why am I sulking? I should have moved on from this. I shouldn't be doing this stage anymore. And Mary Fran's like, no, but every single thing that comes at you, if you're going to deny it or distract yourself away, it's going to show up somewhere else. So yeah, sit. So she would say to me, when I was so upset in the beginning of the pandemic, I'd be sitting outside Costco in my Jeep crying, like I'm afraid to go in, but I'm afraid to not get my kids food. And she's like, you got 15 minutes to cry and then pick <laughs> yourself up and, and be a big girl and get in there and do the mom thing. Like, and, and that changed everything for me because I was feeling a lot of guilt that I was sitting 
in that pit again. And then I thought, now I sit there and I'm like, oh, all right, we're here again. What is it that I'm feeling? What does it mean to me? You know, is this something that I need to learn about myself? Is it something that I can just move on from? And it, it actually, I welcome that now. I didn't for a long time. I was trying to push that piece of it off. Yeah. So I would like to do a little special today on the stages of grief, but let's kind of wrap up your piece first and then I'll go into that because we are having so much fun. We didn't realize how time is passing by. So <laughs> let me share with people how they can reach you and learn more about your brilliant work. <laughs> and it's called brilliantlyresilient.net. If anybody wants to learn more about these tools and techniques, please visit brilliantlyresilient.net. Net. And Mary Friend and Kristen have a gift for us. It's called Three Tips to Rest Your Reset Your Mindset. Okay. Three Tips to Reset Your Mindset. And uh, as always, you can get the, the gift by visiting our website, happyandhealthymind.com. And check into the resources, and you'll find the resources from your from our guests in that area. And of course, if you would like us to send you the text for reminders for future programs and these resources, uh, please text us the word joyful to the number 38470. And so let's wrap up. With, do you guys have any last take home message for our audience? I would just say, again, check your values, perception, controllables, and don't be married to outcomes. Just have to be flexible. Yeah. And also, I want everybody to realize that you are brilliantly resilient. You are. It's not anything you have to go achieve. It's not anything that you have to take a bunch of courses and you arrive there. You're already brilliantly resilient. You already have what it takes to come through something and land brilliant, not broken. You just have to give yourself the time, the space and go to our website and get resources to help you along. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And so for this special, as I said, let me just go ahead and share the five steps of grief. Do you like me to go through them? Oh, please do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people just associate grief by loss of somebody. Mm -hmm. But grief also happens when there is a loss of something, some dreams, some expectations, uh, loss of a relationship, loss of a job. So all these losses can also result in grief. And there are five stages of when somebody goes through grief. First is the shock. Like they're numb. There's like, oh, they don't even realize what has happened. Then there is a denial. This could not have happened. And then there is anger. Why did this happen? Then there is depression. Oh my God, it happened. And then comes acceptance. And everybody goes through these stages in some way or the other. Sometimes they go back and forth, back and forth. And recognizing that you may be going through these stages allows you to get through them easier and faster in their different tools that would help you at different stages. So whenever you have, like you said, that these big obstacles, be big glow or what you call it, sucker punches. Sucker punch. <laughs> <laughs> when it happens, just tap back and recognize that you are a human being, no matter how resilient you are, no matter how grateful you are, how positive you are, there would be some jolt that would happen 
and acknowledging that that inner resilience would allow you to bounce back to come back and be the best version of yourself so let me leave, leave you with this question today every day is a new opportunity to make a different choice what are you going to choose today are you going to stay stuck and be the victim of your circumstances or are you going to take steps to be the best version of yourself till next time stay safe happy and healthy dr rosina and thank you mary friend and kristen for joining us today thank you so much thank you so much